Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. I want to have everybody just do this this morning. I know we just prayed, but I want to have everybody stand like I did last week. I explained that when a bride comes down the aisle, we stand because we're expecting to see a miracle. If you need a miracle this morning unlocked in your life, I want to encourage you to stand to your feet. And I want you to say this, Jesus, I thank you that today is my day of breakthrough. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, would just shout amen, and you can be seated. Love you guys. Love you guys. Listen, I'm starting a series today. This is part one of I don't know how many weeks. We'll just kind of feel it out. Uh, how many? It would be at least probably three um, of a, a series called By My Spirit. I want to say this. We just made an announcement about my grandmother, and I was thinking about eternity. Whenever somebody dies, I, 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 get, I get kind of, you get re- sort of centered, if, if, if you can say that. You get your equilibrium spiritually, and you start thinking about eternal things, which, by the way, we should be doing all the time. And I was thinking about how it's weird because her body's here, but she's not here, right? Okay, that's kind of a weird thing. I don't do well with death. I, I never have, um, and it's, you would think it would get over it because I've dealt with it so much in my life, even at a young age. But I was thinking about the, the, the fact that she is with Jesus, but her body's here and, and kind of useless. And you go, well, that's kind of a morbid thought, but track with me for a minute because it's, it's really not as morbid as I'm going somewhere with this. When you have a church that is not walking by God's spirit, confidently trusting in the Lord to do what we can't do in our own strength, and when we're not filled with the spirit, where God's power is actively operating in us, we are like a useless body. We are a useless church. I need y'all to amen me today. I need a little encouragement. It's been a tough week. I'm going to be honest with you. We are literally like a dead body when the church is not filled with the Holy Spirit. You go, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means that we operate under his power and his anointing. See, I can play the piano. That's my gifting. But when I get into the presence of the Lord, can I tell you all that I can play things that I can't play in the natural? Because I go from gifting to anointing. Now his spirit is operating through me. And we're going to cover what this means today. I want to encourage you, if you are in a position where you're struggling in your life, it's possible you're operating in your gifting, but you've not tapped into the anointing, which can accomplish what you can't accomplish in the natural. So when you're seeking God for a breakthrough and you're doing it in your own strength, it's possible that you need to step out of your ability and step into the anointing. That's not possible. It's definite. So I want to encourage you with this. I believe God's going to stir some things up in this series, in each of us. I believe that. And I want to take a look at the Old Testament prophecy about the New Testament. We're going to take a look. I want to give you a little background. I want to give you a little theology, give you a little story here. It's an Old Testament prophecy about the New Testament. This was during a time when laws were written on tablets and they got revelation, but there wasn't really a whole lot going on inside of them, okay? So it would be like 
if I told you something, but you didn't really feel it, I don't know how else to explain it. There wasn't really, there was, there wasn't the, the same power there that we're going to, we're going to tap into in the new Testament. So they knew information, but they didn't have access to the infilling of Holy Spirit in the time of this vision here that came to Zechariah. If you've got your Bibles and it'll be on the screen, I want you to turn to Zechariah 4, verse 1 to 6. And I want to encourage you, if you've got version, highlight this. If you've got your Bible, highlight this. Because this is something you're going to want to remember. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from the sleep. This is Zechariah. He asked me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. If you could put, put up that picture, it kind of looked like this for those of you that are, that are kind of trying to vision this. Okay, this is sort of a picture of, of what it looked like that we're describing here. We're going to put that back up in a minute, but let's get back to verse 3. Also, there were two solid, there were two olive trees by it. I'm sure they were solid. I added that. That was free. One to the right of the bowl and the other to the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, say this with me, read this out loud, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Let's read that again together, class. Thank you. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Okay, now this is really important in this series. Not by my strength, not by my might, but by his spirit needs to be the anthem of the, of the church right now. Let me tell you why. When you're seeking God for a moment of rescue, and he even, look, even just a moment of worship, let's just, because we were designed to worship and give him glory. We were never designed to operate under our strength. You will fall short. That's why I tell you all the time, it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. Why? Because y'all, when I wake up in the morning, especially before coffee, Okay, and that's still relying on the flesh. If I don't tap into the spirit of God immediately, which is my spiritual coffee, I'm in trouble. I am, it's like, don't talk to me. How many of y'all cannot be talked to until you've had a cup of coffee? In Jesus' name, if anybody else in the room operates under the power of caffeine in the natural. I want to say this, your spiritual coffee is the presence of God. Don't even talk to me till I've been in his presence because I could tell you right now, not by my might, not by my power, not by my crabbiness, but by his spirit. Spirit is an important word and it's interpreted differently between Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to get a little teachy because I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. It's important to look at the original translations of things so you understand the intent of what the scriptures mean. I'm really trying to be solid about this theology for you so you understand this by my spirit thing. The Old Testament word, it's a Hebrew word uh, for spirit, and it's pronounced ruach, okay? Kind of like you have popcorn stuck in the back of your throat, ruach. That's my deep theology for today, okay, y'all? The New Testament word for the spirit, and, and, and this is interesting because Liz just went through this not too long ago, is the Greek word pneuma. It's where you get the word pneumonia from. And it's the breath of God. 
It's the breath. It's the wind. Some translations say wind. Some say breath. It's the pneuma, which is the breath, the, the, not the pneumonia of God because that's a disease. But this is the breath of God. That's what pneumonia is. It's a breath problem. It's a breathing problem. Liz just went through that. In Jesus' name, she's healed. God will always intend for us to live a life empowered, or as the New Testament says, spirit-filled, where we operate under the breath, the pneuma of God as we are a New Testament church in the New Covenant. You guys feeling me? Put that picture up again, if you can. So you have the lamp that burns, okay? And it's burning off of oil. That's what those, those seven lamps that you're seeing there the oil is allowing for the flame to burn you probably if you've ever been to cracker barrel this is such a uh, we got to give like a little little redneck here for you know we just we've got to go there a little bit if you ever go to cracker barrel they have those little oil lamps and they're actually real they're still to this day they're not the battery operated ones it's oil and there's a flame that burns okay so we're at cracker barrel and there's seven uh lamps there's seven tables pushed together and out of this out of the olive trees is flowing the oil into the bowl, which is allowing it to burn. I want to say this. If you're not daily pressing into the oil, the breath, the pneuma of God to where you can burn, you will run out of oil, you will run out of strength, and you will grow weary. It's amazing when you tap into his spirit, what changes and what shifts that you're striving for that you no longer have to strive for when you've got the oil. Some of y'all are saying, I'm struggling real bad. I'm struggling real bad with this in my life. I'm struggling really bad with that in my life. Is it possible that what we need to do is get the oil of his spirit in that area, and it wouldn't be so difficult. Wow. You'll only be as effective as you are fed or fueled by the oil of his spirit. That's the wind or the breath of God. God never intended for you to stay where you're at in your journey with him. I want to say this. To this day, I am experiencing where I'm tapping more and more into the presence of God and things are getting easier and easier. This is a learned process. This is a journey that we're on of learning really what we call surrender. It's where we give up and we let go and we let God. Can I tell you your emotions are fixed in a place of surrender where you get under the oil and your lamp burns. Could I tell you that God does things like healing when you get under the oil and your lamp burns and God's because God does what we can't. He makes the impossible possible. That's the God I serve. So God's spirit changes us and it makes us look and act more like him when we burn for him because we're under the oil of his spirit, the breath of his spirit, it literally changes our appearance and we look more like God. So I want to say this to some of you that are struggling maybe with a position of sin in your life. You go, how do I get out of a place of sin? The oil. Can you put that picture back up? The oil. You tap into God's supernatural power, which rescues you and saves you from that situation and washes you clean. Jesus said this in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. You know, church, I want to say this. When you see somebody who's struggling with sin, we've got to get to a place 
where we understand Jesus came and died for that person. And it started with me. I had sin in my life. We don't judge. We don't criticize. We cover as a church. So Jesus' mission was to pay for man's sin. Nobody can get saved on their own. They need the lamp. That's what they need. That was Jesus' mission. He came here for that purpose. When Jesus ascended to heaven, and I think this is so prophetic, I never saw this before. And I was talking to Liz about this yesterday. Jesus ascended to heaven. When he, when he was done, his mission was complete here. He was on the Mount of Olives. I think that's very interesting. We got olive trees. He was on the Mount of Olives. And actually, he's going to return to that same place. I just thought that was a prophetic picture right there. Jesus says this as he's ascending to heaven in Luke 24 to 29. These are powerful words, red letter words of Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here. In other words, don't do anything. Don't do anything in your strength. Stay right here. Okay. I lost my place in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power of heaven. Don't do a thing until you have the power of heaven. I want to tell you that's a word for you right now. If you're struggling and you're exhausted and you're weary, stop doing and chill until you have the power of heaven. Because direction comes from the pneuma of God. By the way, direction comes from the timing of God, which is also the pneuma of God. When you knock on the door, it says in Matthew, he answers. When you make your requests made known to him, he's not forgotten you. Can I say something to somebody this morning? I want to look at every person in your soul, so please look at me. You are not alone. God has not forgotten you. He's not overlooked you. Your moment comes when you get into the spirit and the breath and the pneuma of God. I'm going to explain that a little bit more. So in other words, don't do anything that we just read that Jesus says, but wait here for my spirit. In Acts 1, verse 4 to 8, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with was baptized for John baptized sorry with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with my Holy Spirit. Different kind of baptism there. For they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to to Israel? Listen to this. This is Jesus' response. They're looking for information here. They're looking to understand in their head what he's saying. And look at his response because this is really powerful. This is a main line right here. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let me explain this. Let me explain this to you. When you don't understand, he says it's not for you to understand. In other words, you've got to rest and trust in me and my spirit. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you try to fit God in your head, you will limit him to your brain. (laughs) In other words, there is, and, and this is what I love about Hope Covenant and what we're trying to do as a church. There is an awe and a wonder of God 
God is so big that I can't fathom him. Remember that song? My God is so big. Remember that song in, in children's church? Our God is bigger than what my head can fathom. His power is far beyond what my head can fathom. You were never intended to live your life under your power. Trusting God is part of the spirit-filled journey. This means that I realize that God is bigger and that by his spirit, he can do what I cannot. God can do what I cannot. God can handle my emotional dysfunction that I cannot. Do you know why we have a generation that can't cope? Because we have a generation that is not filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you struggle with coping abilities. Because he can do what I can't. He can comfort me when I'm not at rest. I laid in bed last night. I woke up at 4 o'clock. I woke up at 5 o'clock. I woke up at 6 o'clock. I watched the numbers and, you know, the anxiety that goes when you watch the clock at night and you're trying to sleep. And I said, Lord, are you trying to communicate something? He said, you're struggling with this because of what you're about to speak about, which is all about trust and all about getting into the place where you give up and you let me. You can't get this and understand this in your brain. You've just got to give up and rest. There's a moment where you need to tell your brain, shut up in Jesus' name. I'm going to rest in the pneuma and the wind of God. I'm going to connect to the olive tree and let him fill my lamp so I can burn. We need to refuse to be a lamp that tries to burn without the olive trees. In other words, we need to be fueled by God's spirit. So how do we connect to God's spirit? Today I want to focus on this, and I'm, this is not long, so don't worry. For those of you that are like, oh, he's just starting. Oh, Jesus. I want to focus on this. I want to focus on a life of prayer. Guys, I want to say this about Hope Covenant Church. We're going to be a church that is a house of prayer. There's a church that I follow, and there's a pastor that I love. He's old school. His name is Larry Stockstill, and he actually named his church Bethany World Prayer Center because he has had a whole thing about we're going to be a house of prayer. And there is more testimonies of supernatural out of that church than probably most churches I've ever heard of because they take things to God in prayer to see God accomplish what they cannot. And that's been the testimony of that church. I want the testimony of Hope Covenant Church to be that the Lord built this house and we did what he said and we were obedient, but the Lord built this house. I want the marketing strategy of Hope Covenant Church. By the way, the church is you. It's not this building. I want the marketing strategy to be that supernatural signs and wonders and miracles drew them in. That they knew when they were driving by this road, they felt the power of God and said, I got to stop and know what's going on in that church. That when you're at, at, at Walgreens or you're at Starbucks, they go, this person's so happy. Why? It's because they're plugged into the, 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 the olive trees that's filling their lamp with the joy of the Lord. The first thing I want you to know, I'm going to go over three things that I want you to know about a spirit-filled prayer life. I want you to know this. There's a difference between a prayer life and a spirit-filled prayer life. Spirit-filled prayer life is not focused on what to say and when to say it. It's focused on connecting with the Spirit of God, and you do this through a language in which you do not understand. Okay? The first thing to know about a spirit-filled prayer life is the priority of prayer. I had somebody just recently ask me to pray over them 
that God would help them with discipline in doing devotions and in prayer life. And I said to that person, I am not going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you. And I'm not picking on that individual, but I said, I'm not going to pray for you. You've got to make this a priority and make this a discipline and put it in your calendar. And I'm going to pray for you that you would, you would become disciplined. Sure, I'll, pr- I'll pray for that. Most people have prayer as a 911. When there's trouble, we reach out to God. All of a sudden, Santa Claus. Here's all the things that I want, God. Here's all the things that I need. That is not supposed to be our prayer life. But that's how most of the church operates. Here's the way it should be. Like the church in the book of Acts. In Acts 1.14, they all join together constantly. Everybody say constantly. constantly. In prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So y'all, even the women were there. Okay? <laughs> that's, a, that's a God joke right there. The whole church gathered and prayed. In Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What does that mean? It means they fellowshiped and they partied and they ate together. They're breaking of bread. They had, a, they had a small group. And then at the end of the small group, they said, let's pray and seek God. They talked about the things of God and then they prayed. That's the book of Acts church. And we're going to get back to that. And we are going to do small groups here at this church as well, by the way. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. Point two. Thing you need to know about a spirit-filled prayer life is the plan of prayer. So you got the priority of prayer. Now we got the plan of prayer. John Maxwell said, "If you pl- if you fail the plan, you plan to fail." In other words, you got to make your plans. The Bible says that God ordains our steps, but man makes his plans. So I'm going to make my plans and then trust His pneuma to actually say, "Okay, turn here. Yeah. Okay, turn here." I think I'm going to be in Texas. No, go to Charlotte. I think I'm, I'm a worship leader. No, that's not your identity. That's what you do. You're going to pastor a church. God, I'm uncomfortable with that. Cool, you need my pneuma. This is a great moment for God. It's a great moment for me, actually. It's a great moment for us when I connect to God. Luke 11 verse 1 says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. You guys probably know this is the Lord's prayer. It is a prayer, but it's really an outline. And I'm going to go over seven elements that are listed in this. This is Jesus telling his disciples. And by the way, we're his disciples. He's telling his church, this is how you need to pray. In Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, this is the Lord's prayer. Then this is how you should pray. This is, this is Jesus speaking. Our Father in heaven, that's element one. This is connecting with God relationally. Our Father in heaven. In other words, hey, God, I'm connecting with you relationally. That's element one. Hallowed be your name. In other words, it starts with worship. We're worshiping. Glory to your name. Verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is element three. In other words, we pray, God, your agenda, not mine. Guys, I struggle with this one. I struggle with this one. God, what you want to do, what you want it to look like, not me. I give up and I surrender and I let you. 
Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. That's element four. Give me your agenda and I'll depend on you for everything. I need you. Do you know that God is trying to get us to a place where we need dependence on him? Where you need the oil in the bowl and you connect to the olive tree? That's what this is all about. It's all about you needing God. I want to need God. I don't just want, I, I desire God. But I want to need God in order to accomplish what, because can I tell you something? If you don't need God to accomplish what it is that you're called to do, it's not big enough. So give me your agenda. I'll depend on you for everything, element four. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Oh, man, this is element five. And I really struggle with this one. Let me get my heart right with you. Forgive me. And let me forgive them. Easily said, forgive and be forgiven. Oh, man. But we struggle with that because we want forgiveness, but letting go and releasing and surrendering and forgiving, that's where I get tripped up sometimes. In fact, this week I just heard my mouth say something about someone and I went, you haven't forgiven them. So if I can't forgive them, I can't be forgiven. Man, I better let this go. Let it go. Let it go. We have got to. Can I give you a prophetic word today? Let it go. Let it go. Okay, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Element six. This is engaging in spiritual warfare. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. So I want to say this, guys. You're at home. It's three in the morning. You're on Instagram and an image pops up. Lead me not into a temptation. We have entered into spiritual warfare. These are the moments that God's watching. These are the moments that God's watching. And when you're obedient, there's an increase in your anointing. See, the gifts are without repentance. It doesn't say that about the anointing. You go, oh, I haven't heard preaching about that. Hold on. What does that mean? It means when you're in sin, don't expect the same level of anointing. You, you will be gifted. I can still play piano. But will I have the oil? No. No. You go, that's not popular. And, and I'm a once saved, always saved person. Are you not? Listen, I'm, I, let me tell you what I am. I'm a, I'm a play on the safe side of the fence person. Okay? Which means I'm going to walk with God and stay under his oil, stay under the, the spout where his glory came out, and that's where I'm going to stay. I love this. So, in other words, God's going to help you with your daily decisions when you enter into spiritual warfare. I say yes to Jesus, and I say no to the enemy. For yours is the kingdom and the power of, and the glory forever. And this is where we step into a place of faith. And I'm almost done. This is expressing faith in God's ability. God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Do you guys see how powerful that outline is? Man, when it's broken down and dissected at that level, Jesus was brilliant. He was brilliant. And then there's a third thing that I need you to know about a spiritual I'm spirit-filled, sorry, prayer life, and that's the power of prayer. In Acts 3, you got Peter and John. You guys are going to remember this story. I want to go over this because this is is it right here. This is the, the power of prayer. 
they're going actually to the house of prayer. They're going to pray, Peter and John. And they walk by this kind of popular, well-known cripple. And he says, hey, dude, can you, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the Adam version. Is that okay if I give you the Adam version? He goes, hey, dude, I, you got some money? And Peter goes, yeah, I don't have any money. Silver and gold, have I none? That's the verse, so you remember. He goes, but let me tell you something. I'm going to pray for you if that's okay. Okay, sure, pray for me. The guy receives his healing. He's looking for, he's a cripple. He's a well-known cripple. Peter prays for him. He gets his healing and starts dancing around the street because he was looking for money, but he just got healed. How many of you know that many times you're seeking God for X, but he wants to do so much bigger than X? You go, I'm seeking you for this, Lord, but guess what? His plans and his ways are better than mine. What does that mean? I'm looking for breakthrough in an area of my business, and God doesn't do it my way when I want it. I want that Burger King have it my way, and God's like, no. Or I want something that I'm seeking God for now, and it's not happening now, and I don't understand why. Maybe you're begging for money when God wants to give you a healing. By the way, when he gets the healing, he doesn't need the money. So it's possible that God knows better. Y'all ain't excited about this like you should be. Do you understand something? When you connect to the olive tree, things happen that are just supernatural, that are so exciting. This is exciting stuff. But let's look at the church leaders. So guys, this cripple gets healed. 2,000 people estimated theologically-ish get saved because of this demonstration of God's power. Can I tell you something? It is time for us to start demonstrating God instead of talking about him. You go to the person at Starbucks, God's so good. Well, you know what? God is good. God is good. But why don't you demonstrate and go, and by the way, there's a girl at at our Starbucks that has, what do they call those insulin things that are connected to her arm? Is, is, is it insulin? Is that what it is? A reader. It's, a, it's a reader. Okay, no, there's a tube that's connected to it. So I think it's insulin. And I started talking to her. Every time I go by, I start talking to her about the goodness of God. I'm going to get overwhelmed. And the Lord told me, you were going to pray for her so that she could see a healing. I'm going to do it when Liz is there so we can see an appropriate healing. <laughs> And I believe that she's going to get healed. And I believe that when she's going to, when she gets healed and she goes to the barista, do you know that guy's a pastor? Yeah, he pastors a church named Hope Covenant Church or in your case, whatever it is that you do. Yeah, he prayed over me and I got healed. Do you know that all the baristas at Starbucks are going to be sitting in these rows? Because they're going to go, really? Are you kidding me? Do you see that we don't need to market yeah, and can I just say something? Can I say something? It is time for us as the church to start stop talking about our opinions and our politics and start talking about the power and demonstrating the power of Jesus and get back to that. I'm so sick of the church politicking about everything. Can I tell you our theology here? Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, so all lives matter to God. That's our theology here. I added that last part. We're not going to focus on things that divide us. We're going to get 
connected to the olive tree so that as a church we can see unity because if the enemy keeps stealing this unity thing in the church we ain't going nowhere in the book of acts it happened because of unity we'll talk more about that next week so the church leaders i'm going a little over is that okay guys i'm going a little over on time but this is so important so the church leaders see this cripple get healed and start dancing around this is a supernatural sign and wonder that God demonstrated. But what do the religious leaders do? What do the religious leaders do? They criticize and they take them for church discipline. And here's what happens. Acts 4. Watch what Peter and John do. They're, they're getting criticized. They're operating under the anointing and the power. And here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens when they're criticized. Guys, if we would do this when we're criticized, it wouldn't matter anymore. Acts 4, verse 23 to 24 in the NIV. On their release, and this is from the church discipline, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, which, by the way, was poo hockey. It's a word I invented right here for you. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I'm going to read that again. And they raised their voices together in prayer. Could you imagine if there's an attack on somebody in this church as an individual and we join together around that person and we raise our voices in prayer where two or three are gathered in his name? It's amazing what happens. Powerful prayers are united prayers. You want to have a powerful prayer? You get in unity and you pray. That's why the enemy tries to attack unity. You join together in unity and we will see God move. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. I'm almost done. If my people, God's looking for a people who aren't satisfied with the way things are, guys. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's a couple of ingredients there. I'm going to go over that in a minute. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Notice it says, then I'll hear you. Then I'll hear you. I'm going to go over that again. If my people who are called by my name would pray, seek my face and repent. Pray, seek, repent. Everybody say it. Pray, seek, repent. One more time. Pray, seek, repent. When I pray, I seek him, and I repent. I now have his attention. Isn't it interesting that we 911 God when we're not even right with him, and we expect that we're going to get his attention? What does this say? It says, when I pray, I seek, and I repent. Then I turn my ear to you, and I listen. Some of you might be asking God to listen to you, but you haven't been in his presence. You haven't prayed. You haven't sought his face. So you know what? He doesn't even know who you are. And repentance is the last thing you're thinking about. I'm talking about myself here. I'm not waving a finger at you. And I know God is convicting somebody who's sitting here right now. Guys, this is a life-saving moment for you. By his spirit. And that happens when I pray. I seek and I repent. I'm changing the core values of this church and I'm going to put repentance right at the top of the flagpole. Because when I pray and I seek and I repent, that's when I get his attention. 
God says that he will hear, he will forgive, and he will heal. Those are the three ingredients that he'll do. You seek, you, you repent, and then he says, here, I will hear, forgive, and heal. We need God to hear, forgive, and heal us right now. Do you guys agree as a nation? Yes. We need God to heal us. Yes. We need God to hear us. Yes. We need God. We need a move of God. Jesus said this in Matthew 18. This is my last verse. Verse 18 to 20. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does that mean? It means you have the power to declare and release the presence of the Lord. And you have the power to bind the demonic in the name of Jesus and tell it to go. So when you see chaos in your house, you have the ability to go in the name of Jesus, I'm through. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree on anything they ask for, it will be done by the Father. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. A.T. Pearson said this, There has never been a spiritual awakening in a country or locality that did not begin with united prayer. Never. There was never a revival. There was never an awakening that didn't begin with prayer, which is why we're going to announce soon in the coming weeks our plan for corporate prayer. And can I tell you something, guys? I don't care if you come on Sundays. Come to prayer. You need prayer. By the way, I do care if you come on Sundays. Come both days. That's good. Yeah, yeah, please. I don't want to see green anymore, by the way. We're, and we're getting rid of the green too, anyway. But I, I, I don't want to see empty seats anymore in here. When are these seats going to get filled? When we start demonstrating the power of God. So who does it begin with? Who's the full-time minister in this church? Take your finger and point it at you. Full-time ministers, everybody wave at me. Cool. Oh, wow, we got a lot of ministers in this church. That's awesome. See that? Well, I'll just write the check, Pastor. You do it. No, 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 no. My job, do you know what my job is? My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's my job. See, in church, we keep doing this thing where we, and, and listen, we do altar calls here, and if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to come and see me. But we're so focused on evangelism when we need to be equipping and we're equipping when we need to be focused on evangelism. We got it. This whole thing is messed. It's out of whack right now. I want to equip you that you would go out and reach. Do you know when this church is going to grow? When the full-time ministers sitting in the seats will begin to say, hey, here's the deal. Jesus loves you. You guys pray. They see a miracle. And you say, by the way, I want you to come on Sunday because I want you to start to get equipped to do the same thing that I'm doing right now. We know God we worship, we find freedom, things that hold us back, we get free from, we discover our purpose that happens here, and then we go out and we make a difference after you've been equipped here in this church. That's what we're all about as a church. If somebody isn't getting excited this morning, this is an exciting word. I'm not waving a finger at y'all. I'm preaching to myself here. But can I tell you something? I am tired of the powerless church in America that's not making a difference, and they're not making a difference because we're more concerned about our opinions. we got to get back to preaching Scripture and get connected to the olive tree that he can fill my bowl with his oil that I can burn for him and accomplish what I can't do in my own strength. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to pray. We're going to pray.
Father, we just right now turn our attention to you. We thank you, Lord, that by your spirit, we can accomplish what we can't do in our own strength. So, Father, we do this. We repent and we seek you. And, Lord, right now, some of you need to take out your calendars and your phone and just type in his presence and spend time in his presence every single day. Father, we're renewed. We're renewed when we wait on you in your presence. Lord, I thank you that no matter what's happened in every person's life, whether it's loss or a need for healing or a need for breakthrough in business, whatever it is, Lord, it happens in your presence that we experience the supernatural. So, Father, we connect to your spirit and we declare, say this out loud, I am a person of your spirit. And I declare your spirit in my life in the name of jesus if you believe that would you shout amen those of you watching online shout amen anyway you guys can be seated for one second i just want to say this we are a church that believes in communion we're going to receive communion here in the in the coming weeks we're going to talk about our plan for corporate prayer in the coming weeks but here's what i want to ask you guys to do we used to do this when we first launched the church we had a strategy team and we would fast every Wednesday. We would fast. You might fast social media. You might, you might fast whatever. I, here's what I say. If your name's not Daniel, maybe you don't want to do the Daniel fast. But you do whatever you want to do. I just want to say that. But, you know, it's like I, the church, yeah, people be like, and they got like the little, the little uh, fruit snacks. And they're like, yeah, I'm on the Daniel fast. That's, you're not fasting. Let's just be honest, okay? <laughs> so I want to encourage you, take this seriously. And let's fast as a church. Look, if you as an individual contribute to this corporately, we'll go places that we can't go. That's why I'm asking you to take this seriously. Every Wednesday, if you can fast something and just seek God and say, God, I thank you that you're breaking through in this area of my life. And then pray for somebody else, guys. You know that your needs are met when you minister to others. So pray for somebody else. Can we do this every Wednesday from sunup to sundown? So you can eat dinner, that's fine. But from sunup to sundown, I'm declaring a church-wide fast every Wednesday. And we'll, we'll social media this so that you know and you remember. We'll even send out a text. Hey, fasting day, just want to remind you. Okay, we'll do all that. But I want to encourage you. Guys, when we do this, we're going to see a shift in the spiritual atmosphere of this church. We're going to press in and we're going to see his spirit. If this minister to you... And you felt the Lord this morning. Could you put your hands together? And God, we just give you thanks and we give you praise. Lord, I pray for the best week ever. We thank you for your presence. And we, as we meet here next week, we just thank you, Lord, that we're walking by your spirit and not in the flesh. And that this will be a great week of your joy in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys for watching online. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.